This is Lifelinks with a DL link. 12 o'clock. Good afternoon to you. This is the DL link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Thank you. So much for tuning in. 101.9 Hi FM. My name is Nikki Seberini. I am keeping you company all the way through until one o'clock on this really glorious Thursday afternoon. And what an inspiring show it is going to be, as it always is. And, uh, you know, we try and bring you all the stories and the upliftment. And as I always say to you, we'd love to hear from you. So lines are open on 0746547335, or you can mm-hmm. SMS us on 34519. That is 34519. If you would like to take part in the conversation, which we always welcome, we love it when you um, weigh in and give your opinions or ask questions. And even for few Future shows, if there's certain ideas, if there are treatments, if there are um, uh, things that you've heard of in connection with cancer and upliftment and stories, please bring it to us um, and we'll be more than happy to discuss it on the DL Link show. So we have a very interesting warrior and he really is truly a warrior um, and uh, he's going to be sharing his story with us um, today. His name is Dean Murinick. And uh, we're going to be going back in time because it's really going back in time when this extraordinary event happened. And um, it's incredible what an impact it has on his life even today and how positively um, he's impacting on other people's lives. So, Dean, welcome. Thank you. It's great to, to be here. To the show. So you woke up this morning and you leant over to say good morning to your wife sure. and nothing came out. And I realized my voice was gone. So I'm going to give it my best <laughs> shot today. It's great to be here. So you've on radio with no voice and you're at a deal link function tonight at the Santon Shul sure. with no voice. Sure, sure. You know what? I'm going to give it my best shot and it's just great to be here. Thank you. You know, Dean, I don't know what you sound like normally, but your voice sounds fantastic. Thank you. You could Thank be, you. in fact, you could be recording a few ads on this very day. <laughs> You'd probably earn a lot of money with that horse voice you've got going right now. <laughs> so, Dean, you're here. I mean, sure. we're, we're talking, when I, when I introduced you and I spoke about a specific event that took place 13 years ago and I'm sure most people will remember um, I was five months pregnant, in fact, and I remember that so clearly because it had such an impact on me and I knew of people who were involved. And we're talking about that December, was it the 20, 20, 26th, after, after Christmas, yeah. the tsunami. Um, and the tsunami hit and it changed many, many people's lives. And sure. you have mm-hmm. a first-hand uh, account of that experience, sure. which you share with everyone. But in fact, your journey began before that, before that, right, and you start off and you say <clears> you've <throat> always had a wonderful life with this incredible, incredible father. Sure. Do you want to just tell us about your dad and the relationship you've always had? Sure, thank you. You know, I mean, life was easy. I, I've always been Dean. I've been that same person. Mm-hmm. I love people. I like to see people smile. Um, I've always, I sung my whole life. I was in many shows. Also played competitive sports. And, um, so success just came pretty easily. You know what? I, I was just lucky that I was able to do that. Mm. But, um, most important, I just loved people. Mm. And in my eyes, we were this perfect family in Cape Town. I grew up, I went to Hertzlia and I remember us always feeling comfortable and secure. Mm. You know, bad things happen to other people, not to us. Yeah. And my dad was always there. He was there for me. He was there for my friends, for everybody. And my dad, 
who had a lot of adversity in his life, he eventually joined Liberty Life when I was in my teens, and he did extremely well. Mm-hmm. And in 1995, when I was 21 years old, he brought me into the industry. Was it something you wanted to do? You know what? I I celebrated through my father. I was so proud of him. That's incredible. And, you know, it was almost my success that he had done so well. Mm. And I was the youngest recruit at Liberty Life, age 21. Wow. I joined the North City Group, and the world was my oyster. You know, there were times that I worked hard, but it was so easy to always know that I had the knowledge of my dad to mm. fall back on for about a seven-year period. Mm. Things were easy. Mm. And then one day out of the blue, my dad was diagnosed with depression. And you know, it took out a, of the blue, you know, was it out, was it out of the blue? I mean, did you notice, was your father putting on a facade that everything was okay because he was always this protector and someone you looked up to? Or were you seeing you know, a few cracks appear? My, my grandparents passed away. Mm. Um, and. He was always like a protector. He was looking after everybody. Mm. But I could see he just wasn't quite himself. Right. And one day um, he told me he was going to go see a client. But the truth is he was planning on dying that day. And, I mean, you know, with depression, a lot of people don't realize it's it's an intangible thing. And mm. it's so hard to see and to understand. Mm. And there were numerous suicide attempts. In a two-year period. Sure. Well, I found and rescued him on every occasion. So my whole life for that two-year period was about getting up in the morning and keeping him alive. Oh, dear. But I'd also become victim and rescuer rolled into one. Mm. Because I thought, how could this be happening to me? My backstop, my mentor. I was so sad because he's also my best friend. Mm. But at the same time, it was, how am I going to be, how am I going to be able to carry on without my dad there? Yeah. And this went on. Um, for about a two-year period, and then eventually one of my how many attempts did you say? There were six attempts six initially. Attempts. Sure. And one of my best friends, by the name of Morris Isaacson, said, "You can never run away from a problem, but you can get away from a bad environment. Go live in Johannesburg. We still love you in Cape Town. Come back whenever you want, but you can't live like this. Mm. Your parents are still happily married. Mm. Go there and have a fresh start." Sure. So I packed my bags. It was, it was April 2004. Yeah. I cried the whole way. You must realize I was leaving networks. I was leaving once upon a time a great life. Mm. And I had to start again. And, and your father. And my father. I was and very, the unknown. You, because you decided you, you can't, and you're not going to be the savior because you've got to create your own sure. life. And what would happen if you weren't there? I can imagine sure. all of that going through your mind. I felt afraid. I was guilty. Mm. But I had to do it. Mm. And to start at Liberty, to be known as Dean Murnick, the life assurance consultant, <clears throat> and not Ralph's son, made me feel I had a feeling of pride and inner content. And even when people used to come and ask me for advice, I felt like, you know what, I can really do this. And even though I spoke to my dad every day, it was November um, 2004, when I phoned my dad about a big deal that I had just signed. I wanted to share it with him. And the police answered the phone to say, we don't know who this man is, but we've got a serious problem here. We have found this man in his car next to the lighthouse, and it looks like an overdose. Mm -hmm. And this time it was extremely serious. And I flew down to Cape Town not knowing if my dad would be dead or alive. And on arrival back at that Chris Barnard clinic, there was my dad in a coma. And it was really, really touch and go. And miraculously, two weeks later, my dad woke up neurologically well. Sure. 
And you know what? My mind was spitting. I still thought, you know what? Were you angry at all? I was angry, but I needed to break away from my reality. Mm. I needed to get away from this. And I said, how can I get my family out of this hell? And I thought about it. And the answer was Phuket, a place we had spent so many peaceful, happy holidays together as a family. But just take the family <clears throat> go with for the par- a holiday. Go with the parents but and with friends. But I said to myself, you know what? This could have been, this was probably will be the last swim I have with my father. So let me just borrow some time with my dad. So that's how it all started. We left. And then you went on holiday. Against doctor's wonderful orders. wonderful against doctor's orders. With my best friends, my friend Morris and his girlfriend Dolores, David and Rail and mom and dad. And we headed off to Phuket. And little did you know what you I were doing. I didn't know what to. I was about to get. Let's take a break. Sure. Because sure. we're going to arrive in Phuket. And of course, sure. one of the hugest calamities sure. was there to meet you after a few, however long you were, weeks, days of pleasure and peace. Stay with us. Um, we're going to be right back. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. LifeLinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. Walking with Warriors. Welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. And this week, our DL Link warrior, well, he's really just uh, an exceptional warrior, and it's wonderful to hear the story, which is... A really frightening story, but certainly a huge light at the end of the tunnel. And in fact, um, Dean Murinek, who is this warrior who's with us, is going to be speaking at the Santon Shore tonight at the Youth Center. It's a DL Link uh, event. So um, I don't know, Dean, if there are tickets, but we'll we'll chat about that uh, a little bit later. And incidentally, if you'd like to take part, if you have any questions for for Dean, or if you'd like to um, give your bits of of, of experience <coughs> over that period of time, the tsunami. Um, please call or SMS us, I would say, 34519. So, Dean, you've decided this is it. Your family needs a break. You take your parents, you take your best friend and his girlfriend. And two other good friends. Two other well. good friends, and you arrive in Phuket, <clears throat> paradise on earth. Paradise on earth, beautiful weather. We arrive December 25th, ready for the start of a great holiday. I'll never forget morning 26, Sunday morning, I'm sleeping in my hotel room, which was on the fourth floor. And suddenly I was woken by a huge earth tremor. And I thought, was it the start of an earthquake? I got dressed. I made my way down to the breakfast terrace, which was down on the ground floor, Mm -hmm. next to the swimming pool, approximately 50 meters from the beach. And down at breakfast were my mom and dad, David and Rail. Morris and Dolores did not join us for breakfast. They went next door to a local convenience store and would meet us on the beach later. Mm And then 9.50 a.m., all I heard was this bang, bang, bang. And at first I thought, wow, is this a terrorist attack? Yes, did it sound like a gunfire? It sounded like gunfire. I couldn't identify the noise. It was so foreign to me. And I looked back and I looked at my one friend, David, and he shouted, get up and run, get up and run. And as the noise got louder, I turned around and I saw this biggest mass of water coming towards me at incredible speed. It was huge and it was loud. And I was absolutely terrified. Sure. I mean, it was carrying boats, cars, jet skis, and bodies. 
And, you know, for a split second, I froze in disbelief of what I was seeing. Mm. But the speed of the water coming towards me made me realize that if I didn't act now or if I didn't act quickly, that this was a tsunami and I was going to die. I looked back to find that both my mom and dad were lying on the floor. In their haste to get away from this mass of water, they fell over each other. Mm. Now, you must realize I was angry. I'd just been through such a terrible time for two years. And I thought to myself, why this? How can this be happening Mm. to me? Mm. And I grabbed onto my parents. And my fear was generating such strength that they felt like toddlers in my arms. Wow. And as we were being pushed from pillar to post with both my parents... Had the water hit you at this stage? The, the water now, now hit, hit you. Us. Yeah. Literally, our heads were bobbing up and down. I was shouting, come on, come on, we can survive this together. Sure. You know, four by fours were missing us narrowly. Windows and debris and everything you can imagine were falling on us. I wasn't afraid to die, but I couldn't allow my parents to die in front of me. Men were shouting, women were screaming, and children were crying. I looked at my dad, who was desperately trying to fight for his life. He was fighting for his life. Absolutely. Wow. The man who tried to sure. end his life seven times. Absolutely. Sure. Fighting to stay alive. How ironic for a man wow. who tried to kill himself on so many occasions. Mm. He had no choice. And you must realize the absolute, to- the absolute devastation. Every few seconds when I came up to gasp for air, everything seemed so surreal. After what seemed to be an eternity of me holding up my parents, I realized that I didn't have the strength to hold on to them anymore. Sure. So and what it, were you just kicking? Was we, it just your legs that we were, were keeping if you were holding them with your, both your hands? It was my arms and my legs. Sure, Dean. It was like a, it was like a wrestling match wow, going on. Wow. At this stage, we washed back approximately 200 meters through the hotel, <laughs> through the foyer into a conference room. Water was everywhere. We, we were surrounded. Now the water rose and our heads were now almost up to the ceiling. I was going to say, if you're stuck in a conference room. And um, I was now suddenly overcome with fear and exhaustion, realizing now that I might very well die. But I was angry. I thought, after everything that I'd been through, and the water continued to rise, Mm. our heads hit the ceiling. And I realized now, after about 25 minutes of fighting, I had to fight for my own life. So we said our goodbyes. I said, Mommy and Daddy, I love you so much, but I can't hold you anymore. No, did you? And it was it was crazy. And as we continued to tread water, it was as if my life had flashed before me like a slow motion movie. Mm. It was just a miracle that suddenly there was the silence and the gushing subsided and the water leveled out. And the three of us were able to swim from the conference room into the foyer with the intentions of getting onto higher ground. You know, I still wasn't sure if the pillars of the hotel were going to be able to withstand the onslaught of the water. Mm. And so the three of us located a stairwell where we made our way up six flights of stairs to the safety of the rooftop. Wow. How high was the water? Was you it know, on the ground floor? Yeah, I, I would say it was about, I would say it was about just over two meters. It wasn't even so much the height, it was the force. Force of it. And, and what, what it, it was carrying. And what it was carrying. Uh, uh. But I'd never seen anything like this before. Loved ones screaming for one another. Mm. People from all walks of life Mm. coming together, Mm. helping each other out. Mm. There was no time or space for egos. The playing fields were equal. Mm. But I'll never forget, now we're on the rooftop of the hotel. My mom was comforting an Australian lady who had two boys, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And she had to make a decision who to let go of. No. 
and she let go of a five-year-old boy thinking he would have a better chance. And four hours later, a Thai man walked up the stairs holding onto this boy and he put him in my arms and I gave him to his mom. He was still alive. He was hanging onto a tree for oh. four hours. Oh. Sure. And, and at this stage, I thought to myself, you know what? Where were my friends Morris and Dolores? Where were David and Rail? Surely if they had been through that barrage of water that I had been through, the chances of them being alive were slim. A few hours later, David and Rail returned. They managed to miss the water by split seconds. Now, here I was on the rooftop of on the hotel, and my sister Lauren, who's fantastic, she lives in Australia, you know, has always had my back. She was in Cape Town on holiday with her family at the time, and she was watching CNN, mm. watching the death toll mount. And at this stage, she thought that the whole family were all dead. Sure. And I managed to get to my mobile phone to say, Lauren, we're still alive. We are okay. Just picture. No sanitation, the stench of decomposing bodies. We were really in a war zone. I can recall that Sunday night with my room still intact, sitting on the balcony looking down at those hundreds of cars stacked on top of each other, mm. thinking, mm. where were my friends Morris and Dolores? Surely they would have come back by now. Mm. Monday morning, no sign of my two friends. And I and the rest of the crew, we left the hotel with our belongings intact. We walked knee-deep through the water where we took a taxi through to Phuket Town, which was inland, where we checked into our hotel. And from there, we made our way to the Singapore office where we stood in line literally for five hours to get confirmation of our return flights back to South Africa. But while we stood in line, we were all discussing what our action plan would be to find our friends. After confirming our flights to leave that Tuesday morning, I basically had 13 hours to find my friends. The search began. I mean, I basically jumped into the back of a random van, Bucky, and shouted in my Thai accent, take me to hospital, take me to hospital. On arrival at the Phuket Clinic, I searched the whole hospital, hoping to find them. I'd never seen anything like this in my life before. People's heads looked like soccer balls, others were charred. Mm -hmm. I said, please, I need to find my friends. They took me to a morgue where I went through bodies one by one. I still couldn't find them. You had to go through dead bodies. Oh, no, Dean. How awful. The crazy thing was, as I was leaving that hospital, I saw a board of pictures of people who had passed away. And I called my friend David over, Mm. as I thought I had seen Morris. Mm. Still not sure. I asked to see the body. They sent me back to Batong that dreaded area that I'd escaped from where all the bodies were being kept. And on arrival, they presented me with an album of everybody who had passed away. And to my horror, there were the both of them. Morris, number 59, and his girlfriend, Dolores, number 86. The crazy thing, though, was, even though their numbers were so far apart, when I identified both bodies, they were on top of each other. They just happened to be on top of each other. They just happened to be on top of each other, even though the numbers were apart. Dean, how horrific to go and have to identify your friend's body. That must have been tough. It was tough, but I owed it to them. I owed it to their families. And can you imagine if I'd left Phuket not knowing? And David and I phoned their respective families to notify them of their passing. That store was down in a basement that they went to. And unfortunately, nobody in that store survived. Survived. 
Dean, let's take a break. I think we need to all just it's 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 quite harrowing. Let's take a break. We we're going to be right back. Sure. This is Life Links with a DL link. LifeLinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. Walking with Warriors. Welcome back to the DR Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini, and uh, well, just witnessing um, a harrowing story told by our warrior, Dean Murinik, who experienced firsthand the devastation of the tsunami, which took place on the 26th of December 2004. I remember so, so well watching the news watching everything unfold, just seeing the death rate, just the numbers increase so quickly and knowing that so many people I knew were there on holiday. And Dean, just the story, I mean, just before the break, you couldn't find your friend and his girlfriend. You searched everywhere. You were leaving, so you had a, a limited period of time. Sure. And then you, you had to identify his body and her body as well. Yeah. And just, do you see that picture? I mean, is it something that you've processed um, were mm. you because of the the experience of seeing people drowning and fighting for their lives because you were in that zone mm. w- was it easier for you to identify their bodies how did how do you go past that I, I must be honest that um, I was in such overdrive at the time I had to do it to f- I had to find my friends mm. and I think that two-year period of always finding my father was so difficult for me that it prepared me. Wow. It prepared me for this. And okay. sure, I was, you know, you can't necessarily always make plans. Mm. And this was going to be a two-week holiday mm. to to get away and break away from this mad reality. But um, unfortunately, yeah, this had to happen. Something else happened. Absolutely. So you identified the bodies and you had to tell the family. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something now that I've realized as well mm. is that when my dad was going through a, a, a terrible time in his life, Morris was an accountant, and um, he used to leave office at about 9.30 in the evening. And when I was living in Cape Town, he used to come and fetch me, and we used to go sit at the President Hotel. Mm. And he used to talk me through things, and he used to try to keep me going when I was going through such a terrible time. And, the, and what I've realized is my father, thank God, has never tried to take his own life since that day. But yet, my best friend, unfortunately, mm. his life had to go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and we don't know why. We, we, don't, we don't know I mean, why. You, you've just said, you know, your father attempted suicide. Sure. The last one, he was in a coma for two weeks. Sure. And when the, he had this opportunity to drown, sure. he fought. He fought he so He fought for his life. He fought so hard. And you want to hear something else? Mm. Both their birthdays on the 2nd of February. Morris and, Morris and my father. Dad. Morris and your dad. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And as you say, that Morris was with Dolores. Their numbers were separating, Absolutely. but they were, they were together. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And the thing is, she had, Dolores had just gone into remission from cancer. <laughs> and she passed away on the Sunday. And she passed away. As I said, we don't know why. I mean, what a tragedy. Yeah. Shocking, shocking tragedy. Sure. So when did you fly back? We flew back on the Tuesday. 
I um I actually flew back, um, flew to Singapore from Singapore direct back to Cape Town. With um, your parents? With my parents. I was supposed to obviously be going back to Johannesburg, mm-hmm. but I went back for, for both funerals and to be with my family and to mm-hmm. be with friends mm-hmm. and to be with my sister. Mm-hmm. How were your parents? You know, my parents were, my parents were, I say the word was like shell-shocked, but I also think my parents had been through such a rough time that even though we had a lot of therapy and that um, it was just like this whirlwind of painful emotions that we had to experience over that two-year period. Mm. Mm. What do you think shifted in your dad? I mean, it, it's, it's a difficult question for you to answer because it's going into your dad's mind. But, I mean, you and your dad are very close and mm. you had this experience together. Did, did, did you talk about it? Did you say, Dad, why did you fight for your life? Why did your life become important? Did you have that discussion with him? You know, when you see something like the tsunami where 300,000 people lost their lives, and I'm so grateful. I've got the gratitude of, of just being here today, sharing mm. my story and mm. being with you. I think it also makes you realize that you shouldn't be defined by your success in business. And I think when my dad did so, my dad was a fighter, um, came from old Yiddish parents, could only speak Yiddish and Afrikaans when he grew up. He went to Saks, which was an English school. He became a prefect, faced a lot of adversity, but he always, he was a great rugby player, but he always would fight to get what he needed to do. And at the mm. same time, he protected everybody. That I think that when the industry started becoming a little bit more difficult and he had to maintain those levels, mm. especially you've got phase and FICA and compliance, the industry was very different then to how it is today. I think it was also extremely stressful for my father. And I think coupled with losing his parents and always being everybody else's savior, um, you know, that, that, that obviously, it's all added up. Mm. But I think when you had a tragedy or catastrophe of this nature, it makes you realize there's so much more mm. to it. Mm. And that makes me just, you know, touch more on gratitude that, that 300,000 people die. Here I am, um, looking down at those hundreds of cars stacked on top of each other. I was given the opportunity to survive and to live with gratitude in my life journey. And it also made me ask, do you rush through life or do you save a life? Before the tsunami, I was so afraid of what people thought. I was so afraid to show vulnerability. And only after my experience did I realize that vulnerability actually shows strength and not weakness. How many times I didn't speak my truth just in case what other people would think. Like, you know what? To express my feelings Like today I actually feel great Or today I feel sad Mm -hmm. But Especially more so for me I feel that I was spared And because I was spared That I needed to live my life With a renewed purpose And with gratitude For everything that I had been blessed with Mm -hmm. The tsunami for me Was just a metaphor for what I believe is how we all have to tread water in our everyday lives. And, you know, my experience may have been extreme, but our own experiences all test us to levels that we feel are too much for us. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is for each and every one of us 
is to emerge from these traumatic tests as survivors and not as beaten individuals. You know, I, I just want to interrupt you. You know, we're having a problem with our phones, and we we were going to have someone, and it's such a pity. Sure. And I'm really hoping mm. that we're going to have her on another time. Sure. Um, she is a, a a social worker, and she's a logotherapist by the name of Trudy Friedland. And Trudy, if you're listening, and we haven't got hold of you, it's because our lines are down. And I don't know if you've ever heard of logotherapy. Have you ever heard of logotherapy? I haven't. So logotherapy, and I'm so far from being an expert, but Viktor Frankl. Right. Have you heard of Viktor Frankl? Sure, right. sure. Man's Search for Meaning. Sure. So Viktor Frankl, an Austrian, I think he was a neurologist, um, psychologist, and he went through, and I could absolutely be mm. corrected, I stand to be corrected, um, and he, he went through the Holocaust and he was in a concentration sure. camp and he was mm. with his dad. And what human beings did to survive and when there was no food and there was one loaf of bread, did you take that loaf of bread? Did you give it to yourself? Did you give it to your father? And I'm saying these things because there you were fighting for your life and you were holding up your parents. And he faced this firsthand. And the incredible, incredible thing is that after he had been through that experience and he developed logotherapy, which is what what is behind logotherapy, it's all about Having meaning and purpose in your life. Sure. And why do we survive? Why do some people fight so much harder than other people? And it's all around this. If you have a meaning in life. And it's a fascinating thing. I mean, we were just talking about your dad and his character. Sure. And that when the chips were down, he fought. He fought. You know, the depression came in because of the external circumstances and, and all of those things. And I don't know. Mm. I, I certainly mm. cannot say. But, but his instinct was to find the purpose and the meaning there sure. when it was taken away. It would really, <laughs> really have been lovely to have Terry and to just discuss because what you're saying is that when you were Faced with this, you have found meaning in your suffering. Sure, you found meaning in it. Found meaning, and you know, you know, you speak about logotherapy and um, about meaning and being fighting when the chips are really, really yeah. down, and you're dealing with a world catastrophe. It's about a week ago. I mean, my dad is still a shadow of what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he ever hears that I need assistance with everything, he just comes out fighting. Mm. Still today. Mm. And about a week ago, it was just one of those tough weeks. It was a bad business week. Um, just had those normal Happens. life pressures. Absolutely. absolutely. Ups and downs. And I said to my dad, you know what, dad? I just don't feel great today. Mm. Not a, it's not a terrific day. And I said, you know what? I like to help people on a daily basis and make a difference in their lives. But I really don't feel great. And you know what he said to me? Mm. I'm a huge rugby fanatic. He says, Dean. You love rugby. He says to me, who is your favorite Springbok rugby player? So I thought about it, and I could, I could have said maybe could have been Coral Duplessis, or there were many players. He said if they ever had a bad game, or if they ever had a bad season, and I said, sure they have. And they said, you are entitled to that. Mm. Just remember that. Mm. Wow, coming from your dad is incredible. So, you know, even Absolutely. when you still think... Absolutely. He's not that same person. Oh. It comes out. Yeah, he digs and he finds he digs. it. And he finds it. And just that, as you said, I mean, you mentioned the word gratitude, and I sure. think we should talk about gratitude sure. because I'm, I think it's very, very powerful. And you awoke to this gratitude. Sure. But also the 
the vulnerability. Absolutely. We're so scared. We're so afraid. To show that sure. side. And you know, the fact that you tonight are going and telling your story, and a lot of the story is <coughs> overcoming the adversity, but sure. there's a lot of vulnerability when you talk about your father. It's very personal. Sure. It's personal. And, 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 and yeah. You, but it allows people to connect with you. You know, I just think that behind everyone's eyes, we've all got a story. For sure. And empathy is so important, which I'll touch on a little bit later. But when I talk about vulnerability and talk about how you're feeling, it never defines you. Because if I say to you, I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling sad, it doesn't mean I'm a bad insurance broker. It doesn't mean I'm a bad motivational speaker. Or it doesn't mean... It I'm means you're a human being. I'm a human you are being. a human being. And I think that if mm-hmm. the world had to realize, I call it, it's not about the red Ferrari. Mm. And I had that problem. I was the same person. But my success in the beginning was when my dad did well. So when he went down, besides me worrying about him and, th- and thinking, oh, wow, I could potentially be losing my best friend and my father, mm. okay, mm. it was also my success. Mm. His success was mine. I forgot about who Dean Muranek was. Mm. And I think that applies to so many people. Yeah. So when I take that pain. Well, we think we are the things we have, or we think we absolutely. are the success, or we think we are the title. or we, And it's an illusion, Dean. It really is. It's, it's the it, illusion. It's, it's an illusion. Mm. But we all carry, every one of us, carry some form of brilliance in different areas. For sure. And if you can bring it out of people. And, you know, it's, for me the big one was leveling the playing field. That was a huge one. Mm. It didn't matter if you were the CEO of the, of a massive company or the street sweeper. Right. We all came together to keep each other alive. And no one was given preferential uh, uh, treatment Nobody because they was. were the CEO or because they this tsunami killed, maimed, regardless of who or what you were. Absolutely. The yeah. playing fields were leveled. Yeah. Yeah. Egos, egos were gone. Mm. And what I can say is to everyone out there is that there are so many things that you can do and that I can't. But how can you lend to somebody else's life? You never know what a big difference that can make. Empathy is so important. When times were tough for me, all I needed was for somebody to put their arm around me and for somebody to have said, you know what, my boy, you will be okay. You're going to get through this. Mm. You know, it makes such a huge difference. Another massive factor for me and a message that I would like to share is one of choice. Choice is huge. When my head hit the ceiling with my mom and dad when we were trapped in the conference room, we had no choice but to stay alive. And often, how often in our everyday lives do we feel trapped? It could be health, it could be family, it could be finances. You feel like you're drowning and you cannot see a way out. And I honestly feel it is at these moments that we feel that we're drowning, that we must choose to choose, to commit ourselves, to look for new ways to change our lives. And I have to tell you the most incredible story, how choice has rewarded me in my life. I went back to Phuket on numerous occasions to face my fears and put them to bed. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, I met a couple from South Africa who said they wanted to introduce me to a lovely lady in Johannesburg. Today, this lady is my wife. Wow. Ah, incredible. 
Gee, Phuket holds a lot for you. Absolutely. Hey? Mm. And when we met, she was a widow with two young children, Jesse, age six, and Lexi, age four, mm. who today I am fortunate to call my own. <laughs> Their daddy, um, Michael, passed away, age 34, doing the Comrades Marathon. Um, he gave them life. And I really feel from the bottom of my heart that I have been spared to show them how to live their lives. And three and a half years ago, Lisa and I chose to extend our family and gave Jesse and Lexi a little brother. Oh, fabulous. And his name is Daniel. So today we are a blended family. And I wanted to say, it sounds romantic, and it is. It's fantastic. But just like many of you, I still have to face the same challenges of raising a family, of being a daddy, of being a a good husband, a son. And I've realized that life is not always just about walking into the sunset, but it's about the choices you make that brings about positive changes, no matter how difficult that may be. Well, it's so, you know, because we, we keep going back to the Viktor Frankl, which is just incredible because what you took out of your experience mm. is what he writes about in the logotherapy. So he says, when we, it's all about choice. It's all about, everything's about choice. But one of the quotes that I have here is, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Sure. You know, these are the things that Victor, that Victor Frankl said. And in fact, my producer Lee sent a WhatsApp saying that it really does epitomize Victor Frankl, the defined power of the human spirit against all odds. I'm really hoping we're going to have Trudy Friedlander in the studio game because I think that looking at logotherapy is incredible because of what you, you know, what you've extrapolated sure, from, sure. from, from your experience. Let's just go back a little bit to this gratitude. Sure. Let's go back to gratitude. What, what, what do you, what does gratitude mean to you? Is gratitude just in an empty way going, okay, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Fantastic. What, what does it do to you? Because I, I love gratitude. I'm a great believer in gratitude. And I think it's an important message to get out there. Absolutely. You know, firstly, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm grateful. Okay. I've just been told by Craig. Yeah. We have an ad break. So hold that thought. Sure. We're coming right back. Fair. This is Lifelinks with a DL Link. Lifelinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, Consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Walking with Warriors. Thank you so much for staying tuned. This is the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. And if you have been trying to take part in the conversation, I apologize because our lines are down, which is why two of our guests that were going to be joining the conversation will not be joining the conversation, unfortunately. And that um, is Terry Friedland, who is a social worker, and uh, she works in the area of logotherapy um, and um 
Yeah, we'll have definitely Terry on the line because Viktor Frankl's um, logotherapy is just unbelievable and I absolutely would like to unpack that with her. And then our dear link angel, Lindorsky, was going to join us and she can't. So apologies that we're not having these guests and even more so that you are not able to communicate with us. But I'm sure you're doing a lot more listening than you are communicating um, or speaking because of our incredible warrior who is just has this resilient nature um, and that is Dean Muranek. He's been sharing his story of the tsunami and really what we're doing now is looking at how it's impacted his life. And there are just so many connections. You talk about your friend who died, Morris, sure. but he shares the same birthday as your dad. You shared how when you were going through a tough time, how he talked you through everything and it was Mm. all to do with your dad how he and Dolores were found together how you went back to Phuket and that's how you were then introduced to your wife and you've got this blended family they're just all these connections so we were talking about Mm. gratitude because if you look at if you look at it it's almost as if they're these invisible threads that are connecting Mm. everything do you believe in that and is that something that you're grateful for absolutely I am so grateful I mean I've been spared so many people died and here I am. And um, I realized that Hashem had alternative plans for me. And and it leads to so much more in my story where, you know, when you are thankful and when you are happy for what you've been blessed with, it results, I believe, in so many good things happening to you. And things happen from out of the blue. And... What happened was, and it's it's a combination of gratitude with persistence, where I persisted in keeping my parents alive, and I persevered until I found my friends' bodies. But persistence is another reason why I'm sitting in the studio here today. One of my best friends that grew up in our home, and my parents were like his parents. My dad was like his father. He had a difficult life, and he always wanted to go do an MBA at Harvard. And this guy did incredibly well. He did his MBA and did unbelievably well in New York City, moved to Los Angeles. And one day out of the blue, he called me, and he said, Dean, I need a guy like you to run my company in Los Angeles. I need a hang on, hang on. What stage of your life was this? Was this, this was, pre-tsunami, this was, this post was, This was two years. This was about a year and a half ago. Okay, so you're married. I'm married. You have commitments. Yeah. You're at this stage of your life. I'm at this well, you stage of my life. You have a few shackles. Absolutely. Not so easy to fly off to America. Absolutely. Okay, you've put us in the picture, right? But I said to my wife, Lisa, who's absolutely amazing, Lisa, I swear by this guy. I trust him. My best friend. I need to go. And check it out for us. So I went. And I realized that the business was still in its infancy stages. And um, it would have been too risky for me to bring my family over. So you must realize my American dream was shattered. I mean, I was already picturing all of this and this opportunity. Mm. And what happened was my friend insisted that I go meet Adam in Los Angeles, who's in life insurance. I said, you know what, I don't want to meet Adam. If I come to Los Angeles, I don't feel like restarting my career in a foreign country. And I met Adam, and I shared my story with him. Mm-hmm. 
Three months later, my phone rang. Mm. Adam in his American accent saying, Dean, you blew me away. I need you to come and share your story with me in Los Angeles for me and my team. Amazing. So this is where the gratitude comes in. Amazing. Together as a combination. Uh I had no idea that I had to address an audience of a thousand people. The Los Angeles Hilton. (laughs) At what stage did you find out? Don't tell me on the night. When I got there, because I was part of their conference, (laughs) and they thought I was a new recruit, Uh but they didn't know that I'd be speaking the next day. Wow. And this company happened to be a Fortune 138 company in America. And I was nervous, but I was ready to give it a go. Mm. And as I finished, all thousand people stood up, and they applauded. She was. That the tears poured from my face. As this was not my original plan again. Mm. Once again, I realized that Hashem was helping me realize my dreams. Because that wasn't my vision. Mm. I was expecting something completely different. Mm. And since that day, I've, re- I've represented this company in seven different regions around the USA. Gee, was. And so I'm, there's your American dream. That was Would my, you just keep coming back to South Africa? It, <laughs> I'm so happy to be in South Africa, <laughs> but it's given me an opportunity mm. to, to help other people mm. because I, I, I love what I do. I'm in financial services. I work for Oracle Brokers and I enjoy it. Mm. But if I can also make that tangible difference, in, in, when you leave my company, if I can share something with you so that you can walk out of here saying, I'm so prepared and ready to carry on with my day. That's always been Dean. And that I've been granted the opportunity to do this, be it locally with corporates for, for wonderful charities like this evening. Mm, mm. Or even socially. There's the meaning. That's the meaning. There's the giving. The meaning, the purpose. And thank you There's to all of you. There's the circle and the cycle. Oh, amazing, for all of Dean. Us. Wow. But yet you're so open to it. You know, you're so awake to it. You really are awake to it. I, I just, um, once again, it's just, you, you, you tap into things every day because of your experiences. Mm. Let's take a break. Sure. Um, after the break, let's just talk about, because I want to go back to the gratitude, because for people who are listening, and you've kind of seen a light, um, you know, not, not everyone wants to endure and go through the kind of struggle that you went through to see it, and are there ways that people can kind of awaken themselves to those with, sure. with, without the tragedy? So stay with us. Sure. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. LifeLinks is a DL-Link fundraising initiative. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL-Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL-Link. Walking with Warriors. Ten minutes to one o'clock on 101.9 High FM. I'm Nikki Seberini with you for ten more minutes with our extraordinary warrior, Dean Urinick. As I said earlier, apologies if you have been trying to get through to us. Our lines are down. So thank goodness we have such an interesting warrior in the studio. Dean, um, just before, I mean, we've heard the story. You're talking about these insights. 
you know, your gratitude. You mentioned Hashem that you had these plans, but there are other plans and you're helping people and you're loving it and the opportunities to give these kind of talks. And I was saying, you know, people who are listening, so often it is, it is through pain. It is through loss. It is through struggle that we learn, that we grow, that we see a light. Sure. I just want to be given the, you know, the, the, the instruction manual on, how to do it before the pain and the struggle and the loss. I mean, I know we can't Mm. avoid that in this world. So what do you have to say to people who are listening right now? You know, it's, it's such a, it's amazing that you've just asked me that question because I've been thinking about that the last couple of days and you mentioned the word lights. And I think in every single one of us, we've all got a flame that burns Mm -hmm. and that flame is what is your essence? What are you great at? What makes you that person? And often with life's tests and curveballs and punches that get thrown at us, you forget about that flame. That flame can often be burnt out. Mm. And if you can acknowledge your own greatness, but at the same time remind everybody around you, including yourself, how fantastic you are, even if, even if you can say, on a Friday night, you say to your wife, you look absolutely beautiful tonight. What a wonderful meal. Um, you go up to somebody at work and say, what can I do to help you? Um, well done on your fantastic figures. Wherever you can lift somebody else up, it is so important mm. to keep that flame burning. Because I know for myself, every single day, I have to see where that flame is. Mm-hmm. So you're saying giving, being there for other people helps your inner flame burn? Absolutely, okay. to acknowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And I can give a, if the, you like. So the a, connection and the help and that is just making you a bigger, better person. Ab- acknowledgement. And that fuels you. Absolutely. Okay. It's a big, it's a big mm-hmm. thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I had a, I had a little story also, um, to do with how, how my flame was lit up one day when I arrived. In Johannesburg in 2004 and I felt like I felt like a victim I felt sorry for myself and what happened I walked into a boxing gym by the name of Durance mm. and oh, yes. there I met this larger-than-life boxing trainer Nick Durant oh. who immediately embraced me and brought me part of his boxing family not only did I box there we became very good friends and he was a mentor of mine in Johannesburg. He came back with me to Thailand on numerous occasions, and he celebrated with me on my wedding day. Sure. But how's this? How's this story? One day after a grueling sparring session, I heard this booming voice. He says, Dean, you're singing at Great Park Synagogue on Friday night, because that's where I sing every Friday. Mm-hmm. Surely if you can sing at Great Park on Friday nights... On Saturday nights, I need you to sing the national anthem live on SABC <laughs> for Cassius Beloy in his world title fight. What? He says, I believe in you. I think you are great. And I mean, I nearly got knocked out, not by a punch. I nearly got knocked out from it. This man who had produced. On SABC. On SABC. This man who produced so many world champions and wow. South African champions not only gave me the opportunity on that night, I went on to do the national anthem on four more occasions. And unfortunately, that is amazing. But you see, it wasn't chance; it was an opportunity. Uh-huh. It was seeing things in others. Uh-huh. 
and 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 his motto was, you know, mo- Nick tragically passed away in a motorbike mm, accident not on the long ago, hey? 21st of April. He died, yeah. and his motto was, acknowledge people's greatness as well as your own, and be that unique person that you are, who you want to be, will stay in my heart forever. So please, everybody out there, I remind remind each other daily because we all. Have to tread water. Mm. However wonderful life is, mm. we have to tread water. Mm. But at the same time, remind people of how fantastic things can be and how wonderful they are. That's mm. very, very powerful. So he saw that in you yeah. and he gave you that opportunity. And Absolutely. that for him was very important. I have to ask you how it went. SABC. It was fantastic. I mean, so many people have messed up the, the, the anthem. Sure, sure. Were you nervous? I was nervous. Did you learn it off by heart over I and over to. again? I had to. I had to, and I couldn't. I think you have to give us a rendition. You know, what? I will. I will. I will. Any time, just today, I may battle with my voice today. Oh, shame, shame with your <laughs> but, voice. But um, it was no it, mistakes. It was. There were no mistakes. It went brilliantly. It really, really went brilliantly, and um, yeah. And on four other occasions. On four other occasions. That's amazing. That is just fantastic. So, and so singing at the shul also. I sing at the shul. I love it. I sing at Maria Road for so many years. I've been at Great Park Synagogue for many years since 2004. Wonderful communities. And um, just been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And... Love my family, That's three crazy. wife and three children. Wife and three children, but there's a big age gap. Jesse had his bar mitzvah, so Jesse's thirteen. My daughter Lexi is going to be, um, she's going to be eleven tomorrow, and Daniel's three and a half. Wow, fantastic! Just wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So tonight, yeah. Santon Shaw, sure, it is a dear link function. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be sharing the story? What are people going to hear? And if people want to come along, are there still tickets available? I'm sure there are tickets available tonight. I'm going to basically be be sharing what I've what I've shared today on radio mm-hmm. with everybody, mm-hmm. and um, I think everybody gets their tickets at the door. At the door. At the door. Okay, so I'm, I'm actually going to give the contact details for the DL link. So if anyone wants to go along to the Santon Shul, what time does it start? It starts 7.30. 7.30. And what time does it end? Do you know? 7.30 is a good time. Good time. My, my talk should be about about an hour. Okay, perfect. So the, the number to dial for the DL link is 011-485-3269. That is 011-485-3269. And, of course, this is the number to use if you want to help with any kind of volunteer work with the DL link. I mean, as I've told you on numerous occasions, it was started all the way back in 2010 by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Atsula. And the, the nurturing safe space that they provide um, – to cancer patients as well as their families um, for support on so many levels is just phenomenal. So, um, yeah, you can always reach them if you would like to help with any kind of volunteer work on 011-485-3269. Dean, your voice? Maintained. You did incredibly, incredibly well. Thank you. Now, this is an instruction from me. No more talking until tonight. Sure. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. It's been a great joy. And thank you so much for listening. As always, I so enjoy being in your company, and I'm looking forward to doing the same in a week's time. From me, Nikki Severini, until then, you take care. Goodbye. This is Life Links with a DL Link. 